it's given to us for, for yeah. us. Um, there is something I did want to discuss. And a mutual friend of ours, uh, Gage, uh, suggested that I, that I bring this Gadriel. 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 Is that his full name? It is not. I just like adding E-L to Like, okay. I, I have a friend called Eli, but his name is Cade. Okay. So I call him Cadriel. <laughs> okay. But anyway, a mutual friend of ours, Gage, wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, <clears throat> he suggested I discuss this. Um, I think a lot of Protestants who aren't Lutheran think that Lutherans um, have are not weird. Go- are weird. Yeah, we are weird. Um, we have not gone far enough in the Reformation and that we held on too much to things from the medieval church. Interesting. Particularly baptismal regeneration and our belief in the real presence of Jesus' body and blood. Yeah, I would agree. In the bread and wine of the supper. Um, and so, but we don't think that's why we believe these things. We believe these things because that's what the scriptures teach and what the early church taught. Mm-hmm. And um, So you say. Yeah, of course. Um, but the real foundation, particularly with Holy Communion, because um, for those of our Chris's listeners who aren't aware, Lutherans teach um, boldly, strongly, that the uh, in Holy Communion, uh, the uh, real, true body and blood of Jesus that were present on the cross are made present in the bread and the wine of the sacrament um, in a mysterious way, in a supernatural way, but it's truly there. It is truly his body and blood. And each each person who comes to receive Holy Communion receives his body and blood. And the reason we believe this is not because we are superstitious or something or because we just want to be like the Catholics, um, but because we believe this is what Scripture teaches. And one of the Reformed points against this is, well, how can you say Jesus' body and blood are in the Holy Communion in all these different churches around the world when Jesus' body and blood are in heaven at the right hand of the Father? That was the argument of Calvin and Zwingli and Beza and um, other early Reformed uh, theologians and, and uh, writers. And the reason they say that is because they have a view of the relationship between the divine and the human nature of Christ that says that Jesus can only be, his human nature can only be present at one place at one time. And um, does this make sense? I hope it. I hope I'm not. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, yeah. Um, I, I I get what you're saying. Would you argue like that? Because I say like, because I say when Jesus says this is my body, that's what he means. It's this is his body. Yeah, we would disagree. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I I have not done very much research on this. Well, yeah, and I just I'm not I can't like I don't want to like try to. I'm just I'm just mentioning yeah, you're this just bringing up your this is yeah, this is really important to uh, the Lutheran Church. Uh, this is really at the heart of what we're about. Really? Yes. Why? Uh, because it is Jesus is everything, and the way He gives Himself to us is through His Word, through Holy Baptism, and through the Sacrament of Holy Communion, um, which we frequently just refer to as the Lord's Supper, and which is how Paul talks about it in First Corinthians 11. Um, but the reason that we know that Christ, one, is because he promised that this is his body and this is his blood. And because of because um, the response to the Calvinist claim that, oh, well, his body and blood uh, can't be in the supper is because um, of his human nature being limited to the right hand of the Father. Our response to that, and the reason I'm getting out my phone right now is because I, I texted Gage something about this, and I sort of liked the way that I, that I, said, <laughs> that I described it, so I just want to go, to go off of that. Um, basically, his understanding of Jesus and his two natures. And so essentially, um, Jesus has two natures, his divine nature, which 
he has existed from all eternity with the Father as the Son, and um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the Son. And the Son, in the Incarnation, takes on a human nature at the moment of conception, which that's why life begins at conception and why abortion is wrong. Um, also, if you're from WashU, please don't cancel us. Yeah, please. We love you. Um, because God loves all people, wants them all to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Um, uh, unless you fall away from being reformed. <laughs> then God doesn't love you. Okay, really? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm, I know. I'm kidding. Um, but anyway, Jesus has two natures in one person. And there is a personal union of these two natures. Um, and that leads to a communication of attributes from the divine to the human nature. So Christ's human nature is able to have, has divine attributes Meaning that when Jesus uses his human voice to stop, to make the winds become calm, um, he is able to use his human body to do divine things. And the real, um, the real uh, reason why we see this is because it says that Jesus, that Jesus receives divine authority in time. So you know how Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Mm-hmm. How it says that um, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Um, and then in Daniel 7, it talks about how the Son of Man comes in and he receives a kingdom and authority and glory and so forth. Um, and it says that on him was bestowed the name that is above every name in, first, in uh, Philippians 2. And uh, it, it's not as though he didn't already have those things as God, because he always had them in his divine nature. But it is now his humanity which has these um, has these divine attributes. Uh, because if he's always been God, he doesn't, he is, he can't be given divine authority as a God, but it comes to his human nature. And so in that way, uh, and it also says in Ephesians 10 that he ascended above all things so that he might fill all things, Ephesians 4.10. And um, that's why we say that Christ, that Jesus can make his body and blood present where he sees fit to do so and where he has promised to do so. And that is in the bread and wine of the Holy Communion. And a good analogy for this in terms of the relationship with the divine, the divine and the human nature that the, that our Lutheran confessions use is between fire and iron. So you put, you put iron in the fire. So what happens to the iron? Eventually it glows uh, and it takes on the properties of the fire, but it doesn't mean that the iron ceases to be iron. So Jesus is truly human, and in that way he is able to be our Savior because he shares our humanity and he shares all of our attributes. Um, however, because of the personal union, his human nature takes on divine attributes as well, um, such as um, the ability to make his body and blood present in more than one place and more than one time. And that's why, like, when we go to the sacrament, you don't, you know, partake of the body of Christ and then all of a sudden Jesus, like, is losing a finger or losing a toe or something. It's no, because he is able to make his body and blood present in any way he sees fit. It's like after the resurrection when he comes into the room and the disciples are in there and the doors are locked. It's like, well, how did he do that? He's just, because a human body can't, you know, pass through walls. Um, he's not a ghost? No, he's not. Spirit hath not I'm flesh kidding. and blood. I'm kidding, I know. Um, the, as you see that I have. And he, uh, he makes it very clear he's not a ghost because he eats. He the says, Gnostics would disagree with you. Well, the Gnostics are. We would both rightly yeah, know, see that the Gnostics are wrong. Are heretical. Heretical. They are heretical. Um, sorry, Gnostic listeners. <laughs> um, repent. <laughs> if you're a Gnostic listener, please repent because you don't know what you're hoping in. But we love you anyway because uh, God loves you. No, I'm just kidding. I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I love you. Yeah. <laughs>
um, but anyway, I hope that's not so too much theological jargon. No, no, um, I didn't. I mean, I mean, but that's I. I understood a lot of what you said. Oh, good. Well, that's sort of where we're coming from as as Lutherans, and it's really mm-hmm. at the heart of heart of what we believe in. Interesting. Us. Um, because that's why Jesus can make His body alone present, and that's how He gives Himself to us. You know, He is the vine, and we are the branches, and we receive our life from Him. Um, so yeah, those are those are the that's at the heart of the of the Lutheran. Yeah, interesting. I appreciate your perspective. I haven't done as much research on that. I, 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 I can even I can start to think of some, some counter arguments that reform people would make, but I'm not going to make them right now, because. Oh no! Yeah, it's fine. Because yeah, I, I'm I'm not. Well, and, and it's not really fair because you haven't studied the issue. I haven't studied like, the there issue. There are things you could bring up that I would be like, "What? Yeah. I haven't studied that." Yeah. So. So yeah, like same, same with like what we were saying earlier with the first. I I I feel like. These conversations might have been a little more like edifying and more thought out if we actually prepared for them beforehand. But it's fine. No, I, sure, it's fine. Yeah, I still think that, that 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 they've been good. But I I appreciate your perspective. I'm I'm curious as to hear why. I mean, you said why it's why it's the heart of why it's like at the heart of Lutheranism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's in, that's interesting. That would you would you call would you refer to that as Christology? Yes. Okay. So it's yeah. So do you, do you know what's at the center of like the reformed? I would probably say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I would say God's sovereignty. Yeah, exactly. Like the glory of God, God's sovereignty for His own glory. So a lot yeah. of what. Yeah, and we would say. I would say the main theme in Scripture is not the sovereignty of God, but the love of God. The love of God. Not that not that you guys don't believe in the love of God. Not that we don't believe in the sovereignty. In of the God, sovereignty of God. But in terms of emphasis. Interesting. Um, I'm, yeah, you. you uh, I don't really think you can separate those things. No, and and you can't, and you I wouldn't. Can. I wouldn't separate them because because yeah. I believe in divine simplicity. So God's attributes are simply God Himself. So God is love. God is love. God is. Well, and I guess it doesn't technically say God is sovereignty, but He is sovereign. He possesses God is, it. Is sovereign, and and then I would. He argue, can't be not sovereign. Yeah, I I would argue that God shows His love for His for His own glory. Yes. Through sovereign means, and then God ultimately shows His love in Christ. Yes, which is all part of His sovereign plan. So I, I really don't think that right. you can separate those. No, those, no, those no. two things. No, but yeah. we would say that, in terms of this, is sort of hard to explain. So in terms of like, we don't really have like a sense of like order of like salvation, uh, in terms in in the mind of God that is, um, but like we see that Jesus comes before election. Jesus does not it's not as though God makes his decree of election and then decides okay Jesus you're going to go die for my elect it's Jesus you're going to die for all people and it's not and it's it's complicated because it's not as though God's like okay let's see what happens it's not like oh well I hope somebody believes this you know no. but maybe someone will believe I really hope so mm-hmm. it's like well no um well I I wouldn't I would argue that before the foundation of of the world it was all part of the plan of God to sovereignly send his only son so that he may save a people for himself. Uh, And some vessels are chosen for mercy and other vessels are chosen for wrath Mm -hmm. so that the glory of God may be manifested. And and so that um, like in all times, like all things may be reconciled to Christ, to his glory um, in the way that God intended beforehand. So, I mean, just going through. No, no, no. I know that. Ephesians. Yeah. 
Yep. And I would say that's that's more of the heart of the gospel that from even before the foundation of the world that God wanted to reconcile and put all things in Christ. God wanted to glorify yes. his son. His son, yes. His son over all things. Yeah, because all things were created through him and for him. And for him, exactly. Yeah. So before the foundation of, of the world, God chose some people uh, for uh, salvation, some people for wrath, mm-hmm. uh, some vessels for mercy. Some, but, so this is Second Timothy talk right now. Uh, but God chose and did all that mm-hmm. in the glory of his son. And so I would say that's that's more of the heart for the gospel, the exaltation of Christ, uh, the through both God's love mm-hmm. being manifested through Christ, and then all things being reconciled in Christ. Right. Well, so, I wouldn't disagree. I would just say that Christ died for all people. Yeah, I guess that's the distinction. Yeah. But we. Yeah. So but I. But where do you see God's glory most revealed? In His Son. Like, good yeah <laughs> um no i would say yes of course but specifically in god saving sinners yes and through and the love i mean in the cross through the, love, yeah, through the cross. cross through jesus crucified yeah that's really that is really where we see god mm-hmm. most most truly mm-hmm. um the love of god being manifest through his son, his son. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then i would say that that uh that is part of the glory of god like i i just like all of the ephesians just streams it out in my in my purpose. no i agree yeah, i love ephesians i'm actually memorizing ephesians right now actually you heard me right no i know i heard you yeah you heard me you did well thank you i mean i did okay <laughs> but uh like my like something um like just the let's see what what part do you want to i mean just all of it but i mean it's all wonderful it's all wonderful but for example um I mean, I, I, I could read uh, in him you trusted after hearing hearing the word. Just just the the idea of um, get, like all things being for Christ. Like uh, here, let, let me read the end. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be and gave him as head. To, and he put all, all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is, which is his body who fills all in all. Or up here where it says, um, uh, to himself. Uh, that in the dispensation of fullness of time that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, in him. Like just er- everything is yes, uh, I know. for Christ. Everything Christ. is for him. Mm-hmm. He's everything. He's the purpose of all things, mm-hmm. all history. He's the telos of yeah. history, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say that he died for all people because of all these other passages. Okay. Uh, and, and by the way, we Lutherans do believe in predestination. Yeah, I know. We believe it's sort of, I guess we could say single predestination. I don't really like the phrase, but God, those who are saved are saved because God chose them to be saved. Those who are lost are lost because they rejected Mm -hmm. God's salvation. Yeah. How do those things fit together? No clue. And then that's where we're talking about mystery. Like, and then we would argue that mystery isn't used that way in the Bible. And we would say that, um, God has revealed us like why he's done, and he's done it for his own glory. And it actually leads to a bigger glory of Christ because if no one rejected Christ, if there were no one, if there was no one persecuting the gospel, if the Israelites did ne- never reject the gospel, then how would the gospel spread to all the nations the way that God had intended it? But rather, God had intended. Right, but again, at the end of Romans, it says God has consigned all the disobedience and He might have mercy on all. So the point is not to say, is not that Israel is lost forever, mm-hmm. but that uh, the the purpose of God was not Israel's destruction, but was the salvation of the nations. Yeah, and I'm I'm more referring to I'm not referring to to Romans nine ten eleven. I'm referring more to the entire book of Acts. Yeah, certainly. Where 
you see over and over again that the, that there are Jewish people who are rejecting the gospel. The there's just a, a pattern of the like they they Jews here. Well, the it's it's more the Jewish leaders because there are plenty of sure Jewish. Sure, yeah, but sure. I get your point. But yeah. they reject the gospel through their rejecting of the, of the gospel. They stir up the crowds, bring in persecution yes, onto yeah. the. Yeah, I'm sure. The person sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. and then as a result, the gospel goes out to all the nations. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, and that's that's a wonderful thing in God's uh, so, uh, yeah, providence. So I would say that God prov- providentially and sovereignly uh, hardened their heart. Yeah, sure. Did not allow them to. Did not reveal His glory to them. But He also says that He is not willing that any should perish, and He desires not the death of yeah. the wicked, but that they would yeah. turn and repent. So then you would argue that. Uh, that this is a mystery that we have to contend with. I would argue that, no, this is actually a pattern in Scripture that God does for His own glory, that God hardens some to eternal damnation for His own glory. And What's God the purpose of the hardening? The purpose is For that, His own glory. Well, in a, yes, in some cases, mm-hmm. but, in, in mo- but it, that is, His glory is a result of it, but His purpose is to bring them to salvation so that they might be in relationship with Him, which is why... To, as in accordance with how he created us in the first place. So then would you be a, a universalist? I'd like to be, but I can't be. Why not? Because Jesus says there's a hell, and the people who reject him will go there. Mm-hmm. The people who live in sin and who... Well, then people, not all people are being reconciled to God then. Well, all people are reconciled to God in, in, a, in a sense, but not in another sense. Mm-hmm. Because Christ died for all, therefore their sins are indeed forgiven. Mm-hmm. But this is made effective only when someone has faith. Mm-hmm. So... If someone doesn't, it's like if a king makes it, if, if, if you have a lowly prisoner, you know, who has committed a crime and the, and the highest king mm-hmm. comes down and brings to that prisoner his decree of release, that the, the prisoner is free. And the prisoner says, I don't want that. Screw you. Mm-hmm. Like, no, but the king, the person is objectively freed, mm-hmm. but they refuse it. And they yeah. said, I don't want, I want to live, I, I want to live mm-hmm. here in this prison. Well, but, but then if you believe that, if not for God changing our hearts, we could never accept the gospel. Then how do you put that together? I don't know. See, this is the mystery. Thing. And then that's where we, and then that's where we dis- disagree. We would say, well, that how can? Well, I don't know. See, I think that the reformed are using. Uh, I think that you are using reason, in a, in some cases, yeah. over the scriptures, over and, passages. Yeah. And we would say that quite literally, this is what the scriptures are teaching: that God is choosing some to eternal life and some to eternal damnation. Because, so, and then that's, I guess, that's where. Uh, like the idea of like tulip might might help in some manner, even though I don't like it. But just the idea of all people are sent and twisted against God's word. Like mm-hmm. no one can understand mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. no one can see it. Everyone hates God by nature. And this is Ephesians two. And you were dead in the trespasses and, and sins in which you once walked, following right. the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. This this is all of us, right? I agree. And then so how can you? And then this this is what the what we believe the Bible very clearly teaches is that, well, if we're here, um, then we need God's enlightening, right? And this is like a Second Corinthians 7, I, th- I think it is, where uh, Christ, like, the, and this is like a book that I read from John, John Piper. He makes the point very clear, clear uh, like very wonderfully, that uh, through salvation, God reveals uh, through the word, like the the meaning of the word is shines Christ into our hearts when God enlightens us through His Spirit, and we were able to actually see the glory of God, which is Christ in the face yeah. of Jesus. Yeah, in the, in the face of Second Jesus. Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. And it just ma- it's made clear to us. So if, if it's God, He who, removes the veil, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if it's God, uh, we're dead in our sins. God saves us 
through Christ sovereignly, he opens up our hearts and we're able to see. And Yeah, it's like with Lydia, the Lord opened her heart to exactly. listen to the things that Paul was saying. I, I, I get it. I, I'm all for what you just said. Yeah. But I also firmly believe that all these passages that talk about God desiring all people mm-hmm. to be saved and that Christ died for all uh, and it's possible to fall away from the faith, that those are also legitimate as well. And how do I fit those things together? I don't know. That's mm-hmm. the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we would we would define mystery differently because mystery in the scriptures is used very differently than what you just said. Oh, how so? The word mystery talks about something that was previously hidden and has now been revealed. That is very. Right, I see. I see. Okay. Fine. Um, so, you, so, but it's revealed, but there's a limited, like, yes, the incarnation is revealed, mm-hmm. but do you understand the incarnation? That that's not the point of the word mystery. The point of the word mystery is that well, we didn't know. That like like you read the you carefully are a student of the Old Testament scriptures. Right. It talks about all these things, but they are revealed in their fullness. The mystery is now made known to us now that we know. Okay, Christ is what came, and we know how it happened because yeah. of God's special revelation to us. Right. That is the term mystery actually talks about. It's not talking well, about. Well, God is revealed as know. one God in three persons, but I can't explain how. Okay, that but is that's the not case. that's not the purpose of the word mystery though. So I mean, I mean okay, I, but okay, but but it is something that is okay. Fine, but it's something. These things are revealed that mm-hmm. God desires all to be saved, that Christ died for all, and that it's only by His grace that we are in fact saved. And the yeah. only reason anyone saved is because of God. Exactly. So those things are revealed. How do they fit together? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I would say that very clearly shares why. And God has revealed it. And it, though it was a mystery, God has made it known that we were once sinners, that God yes. has revealed his, the light of His glory through His Word to us who believe. Uh-huh. And then now that we are believed, we are held uh, by Christ, and then that the people who aren't, who whose heart are not, who whose whose heart is not like opened up to the gospel, who yeah. they are still used for God's glory. And yeah, I know that, and that that is used to spread. It. I, I think that's that's very clear in scripture. I I don't think that you can. Uh, it, it it sort of sounds like, uh, like like from what I've heard thus far is that okay, well I believe in all this because scripture says it, and then there are these things that are said in scripture. And because they're different, and I just don't understand them, I'm just gonna like shrug my shoulders and say, "Oh, it's a mystery," even though that's not the way that you use the word mystery. Okay, well, fine, whatever word you want to use. I know I'm sort of being <laughs> semantic. There. I'm, I'm, I'm like half kidding. No, I know, um, but again, there are certain things in Scripture where it's like, how do these things fit together? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, so there are things that, like, even like we would, we we would still appeal appeal to things that, like, okay, well, that's. Too, that's too transcendent for us to understand. We would still appeal to that. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that we don't do that because obviously when we're dealing with God and we're dealing with stuff like salvation, we're not going to say that, oh, we understand it all. But we are going to say that, okay, in Scripture, it's clear that we cannot know God. We, we, we Without the Spirit of God enlightening our hearts, mm-hmm. we would still mm-hmm. be dead in our sins right. and we would understand nothing. We, we wouldn't even be able to choose God. And that's sort of where... Uh, where I, I strike a, l- a little bit of like where I rub against not very well what some of what you're saying like oh mm-hmm. like the people who just uh, rebel against God like they make the choice like we're all we're all gonna make the choice no I know that I know that God. yes left to our own devices we'd all be lost yeah I know so how do the, some people reject it mm-hmm. I don't know I, I I seriously do not know mm-hmm. yeah and, and I think, then we would argue that. Well, I know it. <laughs> I know what you would argue. I've been listening to it. For, um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, that's that's sort of, I guess you point out the key differences there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just in terms of what is God's in, in mm-hmm. God's intent? Uh, does he desire all people to be saved? Mm-hmm. 
uh, I would say yes, and you would say no. And then, and then that's where that that's why when we get to something like First Timothy, I would say, well, I mean, there's a very clear non-gymnastical reading of that. <laughs> you you don't have to hold it in tension against this entire, uh, this entire. But this is not the only passage that teaches mm-hmm. that Christ died for all people. Oh, you just read it. So you you you, you try to see what the author intended on saying. Right. It says that. And I mean, he, I think the entire book of Hebrews is predicated on the fact that Christ died for them, and they could still fall away. I would disagree. I, I figured. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would say that the book of Hebrews is not predicated on that, but it, it is, it is close. I, I can see why you would say it, especially with the lens to which you're looking at scripture with right. the lens of, oh, well, I mean, like, uh, like you, if you, if you think that people can't fall away, uh, if, if one doesn't have the correct, like, lens of like okay this is what god does with his salvation. Well, i'm not trying to look at it with a lens i'm just trying to take the path i mean i guess we're all trying I mean, we to all we all look at it through a lens y- yes but we're also all trying to look at it through t- just take it at face value in context yeah yeah like i agree with 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 you yeah i believe in in context but i don't think in context can mean you know in accordance with uh, a certain system i would say that scripture by system, like scripture is very clear on a certain thing. And yeah, I agree. Systems are you interpret the clear passages in light of the unclear e- ones, exactly. and you interpret the unclear ones in light of the, in light of the, the clear. Yeah. So that's also partly why we, why I would interpret First Timothy as how I do. Like in in light of the scripture, I think it's very clear that oh well, he doesn't literally mean all people because if you meant all people, then does that mean that everyone is saved? No, it no, doesn't. But that doesn't because. Like it's very clear that oh, Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's one example. Um, so then you you would ask, oh, it doesn't. Well, then does that mean that? And then eventually you like eventually it sounds like you're just getting to a point where if you just keep on asking questions, you just shrug up your shoulders and be like, well, the scripture just holds these things in tension. It's like why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Don't know. Well, I would argue for His glory, because yeah. I, uh, I would yeah. argue that that's, that's e- fair. That's fair. Even in Adam, and even in the garden, like God intended. But God, that. But God, Adam and Eve. But God hates evil, and He exactly. laments that they that they left. Exactly. Yeah, I would I would agree, and I, yeah, I I would agree that God is not the origin of or the author of any evil at all. Yet at the same time, God ordained that Adam and Eve would fall, so that Christ would be magnified in, in the end. Right. The, the new Adam and Eve. Well, well, I would just, I, yeah, I, I guess I agree. I would just sort of use it in the words of Joseph, as you mentioned earlier. You know, yeah, God what, what Satan uh, planned for evil, God uh, used and planned and ordained for good. Amen. I would agree with that. Um, which, which is, so like that to say, like with the problem of evil problem that you just brought up, I would, excuse me, I, I would. Well, I'm not an expert on any sense. on. The, I haven't thought yeah, about it a lot. Totally but, fine. but I just think it's an example of something where anytime you try to give an answer, it's not. If you just if you try to like give a logical answer, it just it doesn't work. Sure, and then that's why I said like even we appeal to mystery. Uh, I, I don't like the word mystery. Even we would appeal to the fact that there are some things that we don't understand. Yes. Like, even right now, however, we would say that in terms of this, we think that the scriptures are very clear. Right. Well, I would just disagree with your mm-hmm. understanding of the passages about Christ dying for all people. Okay, and that's fair. And uh, yeah, and. I, I think I think we got a very good conversation out of that. So No, I agree. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me ramble. Well, you let me ramble too. Yeah, so it's a mutual... Wait, 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 wait.
Thank you, thank you. No, no, they're copying for me. Oh, sorry. Apology accepted. Wait, no, no. <laughs> I wonder what's, what's this one. Okay, I like that one. I like that one too. Um, but yeah. Um, Any other uh, things you'd like to discuss? There was something I wanted to ask you about, but I forgot what it was. I don't know. Um, uh, oh, all right. One, one last thing. Uh, and this isn't as the- theological. Though next time, if we do this again, yeah, I'd love to. I would like to write down beforehand so that I'm a little bit more prepared. Because so that I'm prepared too. Yeah, I am. Like I, I would consider myself pretty good with like Bible stuff, but I am very bad like on the spot. Yeah, I've I do have a good memory. Like I used to do acting and stuff, so it helped me. Like I'm I'm really bad at people's names, remembering people's names. But like if I've read passages of scripture a couple times, I yeah. I remember them. Nice. Which is a blessing, a real blessing. Yeah. Well, for for me, it's more like on the logical arguments and flow yeah. of different, like I, I can recite things like from memory. So like Ephesians or Acts, like the argument of Acts. Yeah, sure. But if I'm looking at scripture, like just like a whole like mm-hmm. of, like text, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's difficult for me to, uh, oh, like this, this this is where this is and this is where, where that is. I need more time to like write it all down. So right. for next time. Sure, that's fine. But my, my last question was more... Um, what were you like before, or would you say that you've been saved since you were baptized? Yes. Okay. We would disagree on that, but that's a different thing. What was, or how different was your life specifically before you uh, started to, uh, before you like, before it's like 17 or 18 when you were Mm -hmm. still in the previous church? Yeah. So I definitely do believe in baptismal regeneration very strongly. That's again, one of the hearts of the Lutheran Reformation. In fact, I don't think you can understand Luther at all if you don't understand baptismal regeneration. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so when people say that baptismal regeneration is a heresy, I don't think you can celebrate the Reformation or the Lutheran Reformation. Sure. Because... Um, I would say it's pretty close to being a heresy. Uh, see, I don't think you can celebrate the Reformation, <laughs> then, at least the Lutheran Reformation, because it's foundational to, mm-hmm. to the Lutheran Church and to Luther himself um, and to his understanding of justification by faith and salvation by grace alone. Uh, so anyway... Yes, I do believe in baptism and regeneration. So I did belong to Christ. Um, and I, I don't know, I might have fallen away. I, or, but I do think, um, but but I don't know. It's not really that important. I think I've fallen away. That I did at a certain point. Oh, that's funny. When I was but, younger. Yeah. Um, but really, man, I, I, maybe I wouldn't even say that. Because in a sense, I always believed in Christ. Um, but I really had an outpouring, experience an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit through you know, the reading of the scriptures and through Christian friends, what the Lutheran Confessions call the mutual consolation and conversation of the brethren, which is a means of grace. Um, in a sense, that's what we're doing. Um, and it's what we do when we go to, uh, we pray for our campus and so forth with other, other Christians. Um, but I experienced that a lot in high school and it was just very, um, very important experience for me. Um, and yes, I was, I think after going through that experience and that I was much more, uh, I cared much more about my relationship with Christ and, you know, my belief in the, the truth of the scriptures and the sense that God loved me and that I belonged to him and that Christ died for my sins and so forth. And, um, that, that changed my life. Yes. Uh, and I think, and obviously in terms of like at, at one point, like when I was a little kid, like I didn't know any of these issues, um, but at one point, yes, I did believe homosexuality was okay. Um, I don't know how strongly I believe that, now to be honest with you. Um, 
I hadn't really thought deeply about it. Once I looked at the scriptures, it was like, oh, well, no, it's not. So that was like a, a different, uh, a clear change. But what do you, would you consider yourself a nerd? Yes. <laughs> what do you, were you still as nerdy before you were a Christian? Well, I think I've always, been, I think I've been a Christian since I was baptized. Sorry, since you uh, came back from falling away. <laughs> yes. Um, and I don't know, I can't, I don't really know my own experience very well, which is why I'm grateful that my assurance and my understanding that I am saved doesn't come from my experience. It comes from Christ, comes from Jesus and his gift of baptism. <laughs> um, you should do the, the one you just did. Yeah, I should. Thank you. No. <laughs> not, not that one. You, the other one. Oh. No, no. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't think that's, uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> um, my assurance comes from, from outside of me, yeah. from, from Jesus himself and, and from yeah. the means of grace, Amen. baptism. But anyway, um, we, oh yes, I definitely like after like being in high school and studying the scriptures. Much more, I'm definitely more of a theology nerd in particular, um, but I'm also a history nerd and nerd for American history and stuff like that. So cool. Yeah, one of my biggest soapboxes is you can't lose your salvation. So if if you say some something like, oh, I must have fallen away from the faith. I don't know. Well, did David fall away when he committed adultery with Bathsheba? No. I don't know. Well, that's, that's did Peter that's fall a, away? That's a little bit different, too, because the manner of salvation was different before and after Christ. Yes, that's in a true. sense, in a sense, not. But in, when not the entirely. spirit is dwelling in a person, right? right. Uh, when, when a spirit is dwelling in a person, if God, if someone has the spirit of God dwelling in them, like, right? It's just it's, it's, it says, I, "Take not your Holy Spirit from me." It just Psalm seems 51. ridiculous to me that someone can lose their faith. Well. Like, how can someone, like, if God has saved them, how can someone lose them? And then, like, it just leads to so many issues. Like, oh, do you get do you get baptized again? No, you don't. Or do you, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just like, how, if God, if if we were already dead in our trespasses, yeah. I'm going to be very brief about this. Mm-hmm. If, if we were already dead in our trespasses and God has saved us and made us alive again in Christ, how can, like, Romans 8, like, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, which is no one, no one can separate us from the love of Christ. And then you get to something like, it's really brief, I'm going to read. First Thessalonians 5, which you may know this as well. It's one of the, it's the benediction. Uh, flipping page ASMR, right? Is it ASMR? What's that? It's like the, I don't know. Uh, it's like the listening. It uh, doesn't matter. All right. Uh, First Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Like, I don't, like, it's just such a beautiful thing that God will keep us to the end. Like, how, how can anything, if God has us in his hand, how can anything separate us from that? I, I just think it's, like, no, like, no offense, but a little bit offense, like. No, I see. Yeah. Like, how, how can any, like, out of all the points that you've made, like, of course, I would disagree with a lot, a lot of them, but I, I just I, I just think that, like, the argument that someone can lose their faith is it, it just, it, it's just not in in Scripture. I can sort of see why. No, yes, it is. There's so many like, texts that teach you can fall away from the like faith. Like, shipwrecking of one's faith. I, like, I... They shipwrecked it. They don't, they, they, they abandoned it. They, I, I just think that in light of 
the way that scripture presents salvation and how God No, I know, I know what the you're foundation saying. of the world. Yes, yes. Like he already accomplished our salvation, not by anything that we do. So how can anything cause us to lose our salvation and how will God uh, It's sort of like someone who's uh, the analogy I've heard is someone who's like, you know, receiving um what's the thing like when you're in the hospital and you have something in your arm? Uh I'm just on the an IV. IV, yes. Well, you're receiving all your life from this, you know, from the from the doctors and from the from the um, from the medical people and the, the IV and so forth. And then you just say, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to rip the IV out. Um, and even though like all, receiving all your it's an imperfect analogy, of course, but you're receiving all your life from them and all your life from someone else and not yourself. Um, you're completely helpless in your own salvation. But. Um, but someone can, um, um, reject it and say, I don't want it. Sorry. I'm, I don't want to believe this anymore. Or is that they say, I can do whatever I want and I'm just going to sin, sin, sin. Um, and so it just, again, it's like, yes, yes. God will never let us go. God loves us. We are in his hands. We belong to him. We have a hundred percent assurance that we are his. Um, if I like, you know, the old question of like, Oh, if you die tonight, what would happen? It's like, I know I'd be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I just I know it because I'm baptized and I belong to Him. I, my sins are forgiven. I've received the Lord's Supper. I, he, every, he's given me Himself. I belong to Him. However, if I were to say, you know what, I can go, you know, um, you know, get drunk and sleep with a bunch of prostitutes and you know, sin and you know, curse and do evil things, wicked things. Like, well, I'm still saved. So ha ha ha. But you, what you would say is, I was never saved at all. And, and, and then, and then I would say that then you have no ground for assurance at all because the only ground for you, you because um, there are plenty of people who are lost who look like they're saved and who look like they have just as strong a faith as those who are um, who, who maintain. Who yeah, but then they were never saved. Yeah, no, I know, so, but then how do you have assurance that you are saved now? Well, because I read God's word, and well, but I so see would that someone who who would follow. No, me. they would not. Oh, I think they would. No, they would not. They would be lying to themselves because they are not true believers in Christ. No, I know. But from your perspective, how do you know that you are not doing, uh, not lying to yourself? Because I read God's word and I love God. Because I cry out to God truly with my full heart because he has saved me. Yes. And so I know that I am saved. Right. And so someone who is not saved, they would not do that. Even though it seems on the outside that they would, they would never do that because... they cannot see they are so dead in their sin. No, I know someone who's not saved wouldn't do that. But I'm saying that people from your vantage point who look like theirs, who mm-hmm. are for, from all indications. Then, then then they've been faking it the whole time. I see. Okay. And and I I don't know. The my my biggest thing was it is that all all of us are feeble. All all no, of I us. I know, I know. If 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 God had not guaranteed our salvation by giving us his spirit like 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 it says in it, like Ephesians one, where it, where it says, "Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Uh, who is the guarantee of our inheritance to recover possession of it? Possession of, of it. Glory, I just can't yeah. speak to praise of His glory. Yeah. If 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 God hadn't guaranteed our salvation, if if we were not yet, um, if if God did not keep us in His hand, and we would fall immediately. Yeah, I know. Then all of us would. Yeah, then all of us would fall. We would have no hope because we are constantly dependent on God no, I know, to keep I know, us. I know that. Because if not for God, we would run away, all of us. No, I know. And I, I know that from Scripture and from my own experience. Um, however, I just think you have serious problems when you try to interpret these passages as that these people didn't really believe. Because it, it, 
Because in Romans 11 and John 15, the analogy used by Jesus and then by Paul is that of a life-giving tree. And Jesus himself is that life-giving tree. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the Father cuts off those branches who bear no fruit, mm-hmm. meaning that they don't live in love. I mean, and wouldn't, wouldn't the context of those, and I, I could be wrong, wrong here, and I could be wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Wouldn't, wouldn't the context, or at least a lot of the time when like a vine and branches are being spoken about, like for example, in like a lot of Romans is talking about Israel, that Israel was cut off from the vine right. because of their unbelief. Right, but they were in the vine. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they they were attached to Christ to the covenants of promise. Oh, so you're just saying that they were like that is Israel as a whole because of Christ. But he says to the Gentiles as well that you will be cut off as well if mm-hmm. you stop believing. Mm-hmm. So how could they be cut off from something they never were really mm-hmm. a part of in the first place? Yeah. See, I don't like the fact that people can fall away. I wish no one would fall away. Mm-hmm. Like I wish. Everyone who is saved mm-hmm. never falls away. But the reality is people do, and the New Testament makes that abundantly clear. And mm-hmm. so the Reformed answer, as you made clear, is that they were never saved at all. Yeah. But I would say that that they were and that they fell away. Yeah, and I would say that the fact, like saying that they were and they fell away, I would say that that is very contrary to how God saves people. Okay. And that taking that reading is just, like I, I, I can see where the where the reading comes from. And at the same time, I also, like, actually that may be, it may be inappropriate to say that it is just the result of people nowadays who are very much pro, like, I choose myself. No, it's not. this. this, I mean, Augustine, you know Augustine, right? Yeah. St. Augustine. Mm -hmm. He was the arch defender of monergism Mm -hmm. and arch opponent of Pelagianism Mm -hmm. and this idea that we choose our salvation. Mm -hmm. But Augustine believed you could fall away from the faith. Okay. So I'm not, it's not a new invention. It's not a new invention, yeah. Though, yeah. So he's just one example. I think mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not an expert on the church fathers, but I can't think of any church father who taught that if you were saved at one point, you would always be saved, and that no matter what, no one could lose their salvation. Yeah, Paul. <laughs> well, that's the <laughs> point of this discussion. <laughs> what I mean is by church fathers is the next generation, because no, they knew the apostles, so mm-hmm. they would be in a. Mm-hmm. Good position to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we would just have to agree to disagree. But well, of course. <laughs> but it seems... I, I mean, just this, this this brings me no joy, talking about how people can lose their salvation. Mm-hmm. Really? But no. then wh- wh- why are you, like, smiling? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's not smiling. <laughs> people who are listening, he is not smiling. <laughs> um, it, it brings me no joy because I want all people to be saved, and I want people who are saved now to continue in the faith. Mm-hmm. Um but it seems it is possible to fall away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we're at danger of falling away every second. Mm-hmm. And it's clear when someone has fallen away. Mm-hmm. So I would never say to someone who's faithfully attending church, faithfully reading the scriptures, faithfully demonstrating their love for Christ, I would never say, mm-hmm. you don't really know if you're, you don't know that you're really saved. Mm-hmm. I would never say that because they are saved. Well, I would think that's in- inconsistent. What do you mean? In the sense of, oh, well, like, Believing that oh like you could fall away, but also saying that like oh no you're you're like probably something you you wouldn't question. Well, no, I believe in I'm not not probably like I we believe in 100% assurance for every believer. Mm-hmm. They have 100% assurance that yeah. they are saved right now. Okay. All right, here's a. I mean this this is a little bit tangent, but mm-hmm. would you say that this is accurate? That in general, just very generally speaking, Lutherans would get a few different like things that it seems like the Bible is saying. 
and then they would say okay well these things uh look like they would hold itself in tension and we uh we would agree with that tension and then we would just say like okay well we we're gonna trust in god that uh that the tension is there for a reason and then we're gonna he knows more than we do he knows more than we do that the tension is there for a reason and then we're gonna go forward uh with that tension being there and then we're gonna try to discern uh how we should uh view our things in light of this tension while a lot of the reformed group would be more like okay well this is what the scriptures are, are saying and we're gonna try our best to figure out a system to where it all comes together uh in a way that uh the textual uh context seems to fit in mm-hmm. pretty well enough mm-hmm. and then we're, we're gonna try to explain uh why there is this seeming tension but there really is no tension there would you say that that's a decent uh even though there there might be a tension there for reason but would you say that yeah that, i would say so that, that's i think we're fair. much more comfortable with tension and mm-hmm. i still like the word mystery <laughs> mystery is just it's not a biblical well, but anyway, no, I, that's fine. I don't want to argue with semantics. I, I, we are more comfortable with paradox and tension than yeah, yeah, than mystery because mystery is used differently in the Bible. Well, just look, just look at it for yourself. Well, mystery is something that's revealed. It's not something we understand. It's something that we know about. Yeah, just, just look at it in context of, no, how, Paul, of how Paul uses it, and you'll, you'll like that. You will, you, you, you must. Well, yeah, Stuart, you must agree with me on that one. Well, I'll read the. I'm passages good. and then I'll see. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a good way that I would, I would describe it that way. Yeah. Um, okay. I appreciate it. So then I think that that is a good, a good block or a good like setting, like explanation uh, as to why a lot of our disagreements come about. Yes. Well, it's just in terms of like, how do we hold different passage, interpret different passages in light of other ones? Yeah. And the tension, how much t- tension we hold, and then how we try to... Like, I just think the clearest reading of mm-hmm. First Timothy 2, 2 Peter 3, mm-hmm. um, uh, Romans 5, mm-hmm. for, uh, John 3, um, and all the passages that say that Christ died for all, and that God wants all to be saved, and so forth. And there are way more than that, that all those stand, as do the ones that say mm-hmm. that, um, that, uh, that God alone saves. And we would agree. Well, you would just interpret those, but we would interpret those just to mean what in that, light that, that it doesn't really in light of what we think is the whole scripture. Right. Well, we would interpret, and, right. but you you guys would hold them more into tension. Yes, and then you would. Yeah. When I would say the Arminians would say, "Well, then we have to have human free will that people that it's up to us to to choose, even though God gives us through prevenient grace gives us the grace we need to believe." You're not Ar- you're not Ar- no, I'm not Arminian. All right, good. So we would not have that conversation. No. But I don't think the Arminians, um, there's a difference between classical Arminianism yeah, as as um, as uh, preached by John Wesley, for instance, yeah. than like pop American evangelicalism. Yeah, I, where you I have agree. to make, you. It's, it's the onus is on you now. Or like, yeah, like uh, what, what's a, what sort, like revivalism. Yes, yes. Like I have a lot of respect for John Wesley, even though I don't agree with a lot of what he yeah. taught. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I am very much in dislike of a lot of what America has done in the past few decades, in the past like few centuries. Yeah, but it's not all bad. I mean, anywhere where someone believes in Jesus, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere, but of course, everywhere where God builds his church, the devil comes along and builds a temple. So just because there's a lot of false teaching, it doesn't mean that God is not also at work. Well, well, sort of. Maybe this relates to the Asbury. Uh, Maybe. 
Yeah. So I mentioned earlier. I I would say that a lot of the time the gospel is spread, but the <clears> issue <throat> with a lot of like re- revivalist techniques. And for anyone who's not listening, revivalism, as we're defining it, is more of a like I would argue that it's less of a spirit led like like the Holy Spirit isn't saving people. It's more of man. Uh, incorporating like sure. psychological techniques to make yeah and there's a lot of that safe. and that's really problematic and I and mm-hmm. I and I I definitely agree with you I mean the ordinary way of um, salvation what well, I would say is through baptism and then well, baptism the, the of preaching an, of God's word yes to those to the ordinary way of salvation to those who are not raised in Christian homes and those who are coming from non-Christian because uh, uh, this goes back to infant baptism again because like for me like when I get married lord willing you're a bit ahead of me in the process <laughs> <laughs> when i get married um have kids like unbaptize them and teach them the faith and they belong to christ and just re- mm-hmm. teaching them yeah, we would disagree teaching that. about teaching them about who they are mm-hmm. in jesus mm-hmm. um but for someone who a great book is called the way of salvation in the lutheran church by george henry gerberding this is written about 1900 and he does a great job responding to like american revivalism and talking about what a true revival is mm-hmm. exactly yeah. true revival comes, we would through, agree there. comes through the preaching of god's word exactly amen and the ordinary means of grace the word the sacraments and mm-hmm. um christian fellowship uh with other believers mm-hmm. and but i think in terms of what's going on at asbury seminary at college rather there's a seminary but um they describe it more as an outpouring of the spirit, not as like like bringing, not necessarily bringing unbelievers to faith, yeah. but, but strengthening the faith of believers. It just doesn't feel like it's biblical in my like. It, it's just well, I, I don't like. There are some things in like American evangelicalism that I see are really problematic, but not this. It seems very ordered and very structured. As well, have you like paid attention to what's being said in the revivals? No, I have not. It. I mean. So I was talking to someone else about it, and there there just doesn't seem to be much of an attitude of, like, re- repentance. Oh, it seemed that there was to me. I mean, I haven't watched everything. I, I haven't seen much e- either, so maybe I shouldn't talk that much about it. But from... Well, I think, what should our posture be? I think our posture should always be, like, we should always look... We should celebrate anything that's good, any any time. Like... Like I celebrate, like I celebrate the fact that you are a Christian, even though I think you're wrong about baptism and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I I would say like whenever I will celebrate whenever, uh, like if it's being done faithfully to Scripture. But if and they are there, Asbury Seminary is a historically Wesleyan place. Wesleyan, yeah, yeah. And although both of us would disagree in certain mm-hmm. parts of Wesleyanism, um, they are. They at least they they have a much they have a very ordered way of, of doing these sorts of things and Asbury has a history of having these sort of yeah I agree. outpourings yep true um, yeah I mean if if it's something like if there was like a Lutheran re- re- revival name not like the LS the LCS or whatever the, the ELCA the ELCA the, the the super like liberally theological if like 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 for example if that group had like a revival where a bunch of people were coming to that understanding of scripture. Mm-hmm. Then I would not be rejoicing. I would be like, "Woe is us!" Because people yeah, are no, I know. Yeah, believing I in a false gospel, and people are not living up to scripture. Right. So that would be my general. I, I'm not going to say that everyone who says, like, if a bunch of people say that they start believing in Jesus, uh, I will not Again, automatically rejoice unless I have evidence to know well, that these are authentic. 
Yeah, no, I know. And thinking about the parable of the sower, you know, waiting and seeing the, the result. But but still, whoever is not against us is for us. In a sense, that is really true. Mm-hmm. And I think... Well, I mean, we were just reading in First Timothy. About yeah, but people. there are false... There's a difference between false teachers mm-hmm. and people who are who are coming to know Jesus through a a heterodox church that is teaching a lot of false doctrine. Um, you know what I mean? Like I hold the pastors of the ELCA and sure. the bishops of the ELCA sure. Sure. responsible, but not necessarily all of the lay people. Yeah. So, so, so then like, okay, well let's, now let's talk about, I mean, and I wouldn't compare Asbury Sem- seminary no, 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 to, no, no. to no. the prosperity gospel, but I mean, you, you can put in the prosperity gospel there too. Well, pe- people are saying that they believe that they're believing Jesus. There, there is some truth. In there, right? I'm not sure if you would give them the label of heterodox. I wouldn't. I would, I would say heretical. But let's say that this that bunch of people are like this is a revival in the in the I don't know like jo- in Joyce Myers Church or in um, right Bill Osteen or whatever. Like I'm not Joe gonna. Osteen, uh, yeah. I don't know, bro. I don't listen to those guys. But I would not rejoice. I w- I would say woe is us because a you know, false say, gospel. So I will be rejoicing if well, I would rejoice that in even though there are these horribly false teachers, people are still. God is still at work, even when they intended it to teach false doctrine. Well, if people are actually like showing faith that they are actually believing and God is actually is through His word saving people, then sure. Mm-hmm. But if I have no evidence, if to me there is no fruit or no evidence that there is legitimately repentance and people are being saved, mm-hmm. and it's just a show, because I mean I'm bringing in my understanding that people are saved. Uh, by hearing the word, yep. and then through the hearing of the word, God reveals and opens up their hearts. Right. Yeah, sure. So if that is happening, even though maybe it's like the Jesus movement, where I wouldn't, I would say that there are a lot of unhealthy pra- pra- practices. I would agree with you. Like I would still rejoice, even though I wouldn't agree with everything. Yeah. But if it is something like the prosperity gospel, or if it, it or it's even something that looks like repentance, but it's just like a, an emotional. Yeah. No, I know. I know that you're saved not by a profession of faith, but by a possession of it, as R.C. Sproul said. Yeah. Sure. Um. But. Mm-hmm. But looking at the parable of the sower, I think, of course, since it's from Jesus, and that's the like great parable of the preaching of the word. Um, there are some people who believe for a little while and then fall away. Sometimes it falls on sometimes you know the cares of the world choke it out. And, you know they initially receive it with joy, but then you know it's like they, they had no root. You know, um, and other ones it produces good soil. But I think we should always rejoice at the proclamation of the world word and that people are believing. Well, let's say what you just said, like that the proclamation of the word. Like, if I have evidence that the word actually is being proclaimed faithfully, like, uh-huh. okay, like sin, yeah. Christ, I mean, repentance. listen, I have a problem with all the, like, I really have a problem with uh, all theology that's not Lutheran, but I want to be very well, yeah. graceful towards, like, any church that sure. that confesses. Sure, I agree with uh, that. The faith. Amen. But there is a distinction between churches that are preaching the faith. And then these things that seem like they're preaching the faith and they're not actually preaching the faith. They're preaching something like that just isn't true. So like, for example, if a, if it was a Lutheran thing and like I had evidence that, okay, well, the gospel is being preached. Like there is sin, repentance, like all the parts of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's being preached. Amen. I'm happy. E- even though like I wouldn't, like I'm not Lutheran my, myself or even, right. even though I'm not Methodist, like amen. Like I'm glad this is happening. But if this is like a, oh, like, uh, like there, if there's no talk of re- repentance, if there's no talk about the gospel of Christ. Well, I think there is repentance. Sure, this sure. is like one of the main themes sure, of sure, that. Sure, sure, um, but that, that's not what I'm arguing. Kentucky, yeah. That's not what I'm arguing. No, I know. If there was no call to repentance. If yeah. it's not really a Christian, like I have to, like, like we had this conversation with like the, with Catholicism. 
like right. it, not the whole thing, but similar. Yeah, it's similar. Like if 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 it's not really Christian, if someone goes from being a new age atheist or new atheist to becoming a Roman Catholic, I would rejoice. I would not. See, that's see, that's it's the same now. thing to me. No, it's not. Okay, we, we would. No, we would disagree. We would, we would disagree. Even though they would believe in a Christ, right? If it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, if it's not actually like you were saved by grace alone through faith alone, if people are not being saved by God because of it, but God always works through His Word. Yeah. God only works through His Word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I would agree. Well, He has like ordinarily like true, 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 special true. yeah cases. Well, I mean. I, w- I would say that all the cases would be through special re- revelation, but well, special. I mean, through through. I mean, I through, guess I get maybe, what you, I, I get what, through through his word. I, yeah, I, I guess maybe John the Baptist in the womb of of his mom may be like a, a special case, but I can't think of any other time that special re- revelation didn't. Like, what do you mean by special? Like his word? You mean by well, scriptures? because God God speaks in His Word. God reveals Himself through His Word now yep, to yep, us today. Yep. But as we see in Hebrews, um, yeah, sure, yeah, in yeah, 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 Hebrews yeah. one. I, mean, I think there are so God re- progressively changed the way that He. So, right. like first, uh, generally speaking, first it was God revealing Him, him Himself, right? Right. Like in, like in a bush, uh, as the angel of the Lord, God revealed him, Himself, like as being there then he started doing like a prophet like a prophet system which would speak yeah, to yeah, a yeah. person that, like you yeah, know i get it i get it through his established means exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean I, I i agree with you that there are like in certain uh, heterodox churches like there are lots of problems but i still think that the gospel is present there if the I gospel think it is, is possible present. i feel like it is possible for like for instance the lds the mormons like there's no like that is completely there's no gospel there at all like this is not christianity it's at possible all possible for what like i wouldn't say that it's possible for someone who became a mormon i would not rejoice at that good i would agree with that that's great or someone became a jehovah's witness <laughs> yeah i would um, i would agree. also by the way i'm going to make this two part episode sounds great yeah but yeah uh, but like i would agree with that um, but like, ev- I, I, I would even say like a little bit closer, like if the gospel is not like if people, I mean, and then I would make the distinction here. Like if people are actually being saved, mm-hmm. like, le- like legitimately, like God yeah. is like the word is being proclaimed and proclaimed, preached. like actually proclaimed in a way that it can actually save people. Yeah. Um, not like your typical, uh, not like your typical like prosperity gospel. Like if you believe in Jesus, you're gonna get rich because that, <laughs> that's not the gospel. No, the gospel is all right. Well, Christ died for us, uh, so re- repent and turn to Christ uh, because He died for you, and this is like your only way of salvation. Yeah, like yeah. Et if that is being proclaimed, and that through that proclamation, God is saving people, then I will re- then I will rejoice, right? Yep. So then the distinction I think we would make is we are making. Uh, we were making situational, I, I don't want to say judgments, we were making situational hypotheses of when that actually happens. So I would argue that that is not going to happen at a Roman Catholic revival be- because the gospel is not being proclaimed faithfully at, at all in a Roman Catholic gathering. Even though someone can be saved mm-hmm. the- theoretically, if they, for example, like while that was happening, like I was listening to something and some, some someone said that, the, <laughs> this is going to be funny, but 
Uh, have you read the screw tape letters? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, the idea for the screw tape letters uh, from what this person said, uh, C.S. Lewis came up with the idea of the screw tape letters while he was like bored at a sermon from someone. It was like it was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Pastor was giving a sermon. C.S. Lewis was bored. Are you ever you're never bored during a sermon? I am, but that <laughs> so so that that's the point I want to make. Yeah. So if someone's like in a mass or whatever, like a yeah. Catholic mass, and then like a revival's happening and then because of that someone's like oh i'm gonna look at the word now right. and they read it and they read the true gospel and get saved i see it. i see i see then like okay theoretically like maybe it'll lead someone to actually reading the bible which will save them yes so in that sense sure but so someone can be saved through it but i will say that again i think it goes back to baptism because i do believe that god is always at work in baptism well there's we have to make a distinction between baptism and just like dunking someone in water well what is baptism Baptism is a... In your view, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the biblical view. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, well, I'm not really kidding. No, I know. But I'm kidding about like me being snobby. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, b- baptism is like someone is saved and then they're commanded to be baptized. So baptism we, is a command that we... Something that we do. Baptism is a commandment uh, that Christians... Uh, I have not done much research on baptism, so I will say that I'm okay, not sure. I don't, I don't, I don't want to try to trick you yes. either. Yeah. So, like, just so you know, not not to get too nitpicky, but my current understanding of yeah, bap- sure. bap- bap- baptism is like, um, sure, it's God's work. It's also, mm-hmm. uh, it, it it is the. So you would, right, I'm just gonna say the perspective that we we would give. So if someone gets saved, yeah, they are commanded to get baptized, which which is both a show, of like a proclamation of them getting saved. And at the same time, like I suppose that uh, like there is like a work that is done in it from what I've heard. Um, but I haven't done too much research on what baptism is, but I would say that there most definitely is a distinction be- between baptism done in like a Catholic church, which mm. is not a church at all. I would disagree. And then uh, with Protestants, be, or not, I mean, well, you would say anyone, anyone who wants to join, anyone who legitimately <clears throat> is a Christian. Would you, um, I, I don't actually remember, is when, when were you baptized? Don't remind me. I was baptized like twice. Okay. Because I wasn't reformed back then. But, um, wait, the first one stands. I would say the first one stands. Um, but I was actually a believer in the first one. I would say that if someone wasn't saved and they got baptized, then that wasn't a baptism at all. See, I would just, well, see, because it was nice. How is it a baptism? Well, God's word still stands like God's, God's, God's objective promise through baptism stands. And even if you weren't believing it, that doesn't nullify the promise of God. Well, baptism is for believers. Well, baptism, oh, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, <clears throat> baptism is not something that we do because of our faith. It is something God gives to us because of his promise of salvation. Okay. That that doesn't say anything at all to counteract what, what I just said. Well, so you're saying that someone is baptized is an action that believers take to show their faith. Um, I, I, is, that what, is that how you would phrase I, it? I, I don't like that definition. Okay. Though it is similar to what I said. Yeah. But at the same time, I will also appeal to the fact that I have not researched this very much and haven't done so. Very That's much. fair. That's in fair. The, in the very recent past. 
Well, I would just point out like all the past, every almost every passage about baptism, particularly in the epistles, is talking about baptism, and it's intimately connected with salvation itself. Sure. So it, so but like it says in First Peter, baptism saves, and in Romans it says it unites you to Christ. As it mm-hmm. and it says the same in Colossians. Yeah. Galatians it says through baptism you put you put on Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it says in Ephesians five that. He saves us through the washing of water with mm-hmm. the word. Mm-hmm. Christ saved the church in that way. Okay. It says in Titus 3, 5, washing of regeneration. He saved us through the wa- not mm-hmm. by our own works, but by the washing of regeneration. So why do you think that if someone got dunked in water, after, uh, even though they weren't saved, why do you think that that does anything? Because it's not based on them. It's based on... Now, if, someone's, if someone is being baptized and saying, okay, I don't believe any of this. Like, this is all, this is all bunk. No, they're not going to be saved because they're... Re- they're rejecting God's action of salvation. Well, then how is it that, but if it's God who does the work in baptism? Yeah, because it, God, we receive the gift by faith. Okay, so there has to be faith first. No, then, I didn't say that. Okay. I said baptism is a gift which is received by faith. Okay, it's a gift that is, that's received by faith. So yes. if someone doesn't have faith, then it's not really baptism. No, I didn't say that. I know. It, I'm, so we don't, we I'm don't not baptize, saying that you're saying that. I'm just trying to. We baptize based on that is the means whereby people are brought into the kingdom of God. Okay. Oh, you see, and our men are made in, made to be united with Christ, and in terms of infants. So they're 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 just doing it wrong then. Well, if someone is saying like I don't believe any of this, like I'm just doing this just because someone wants me to, well then, yeah, they are rejecting uh, God's salvation. You're not, as Luther says, you're not baptized to be made into a prince. You're baptized to be. To be a, to be a Christian. So then, what happens to those people? Well, they're just rejecting it. But if they were to come back later and say, "You know what? I repent and I really believe," then they wouldn't be rebaptized. Really? No. Because baptism again is not based on our faith; it is based on the Word of God and the water. Baptism is water with the Word, water with the words, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That that, that doesn't seem consistent why in terms of well someone like not being saved and yet they get baptized like so why does god baptism saves them so what so what would you define as baptism baptism is the washing of water in the name of the father and of the son of the holy spirit so you would say that anyone who gets into a tub and then there's a priest there who prays. Who says, in the, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and okay. of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I think to understand you a little bit better. They are baptized, yes. Okay, so you're saying that everyone who does that is baptized. Yes. Huh. And there's only one baptism. Yeah, I would argue with that. It's not something they do. It's something that it is something through which God works. To be baptized in the name of the, tri- of the Trinity is to be baptized by God himself. And we see this in Ephesians 5 where it says that Husbands are to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So it's Christ who cleanses mm-hmm. his people through baptism. Yeah, sure. And so Christ is at work through baptism. Yeah, but I guess our distinction, and I, I still haven't heard a good answer for mm-hmm. why, why would an unbeliever who got put into a tub and dunked, even though they're not a believer, why would that do anything at all? Even though it's God doing it. Uh, why would you say that? Why would you make the distinction that it isn't only for believers? Because, again, baptism is a promise that God gives to believers and their children. And as we see in Acts chapter 2, and it says that 
whoever it says that the promise is for you and to your children and all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord our God will call. And he says in the previous verse, repent and be baptized, every one of you, so that you receive the gift of and you will receive the gift of the Holy, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift so, of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but that that that, that doesn't answer the question as to why an unbeliever can will be baptized by God if if they're dunked in. But they're rejecting God's God's offer of salvation. Yeah, so it, it so it, it isn't for unbelievers. It's for people who God has saved first. No, but it is. But when it's done for infants, no, well, I'm not talking about infants. I'm talking well, I, well, I'm not going to distinguish between infants and adults dramatically. Yeah, I'm not talking about infants right now. Okay, so if someone I'm talking about someone who, you, so from 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 what it sounds like, and correct correct me if I'm misreading you, mm-hmm. but if you get a person who isn't saved, it's like the word. Like if someone is unbeliever and the word is preached to them. The word was still preached, and yeah. the word is still doing its thing, mm-hmm. or rather, his thing. The Holy Spirit that works. Well, it, it, I mean, I, I don't see that in the, in the Bible. That that mean? that connection right right there, if, like that's similar to the to hearing the word preached. Uh huh. That if someone who isn't saved, right? Uh, but these are really special cases. Like most people who are adults who are being baptized are doing so because. Well, they I, want to become a part of the the kingdom of God. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's not even true. There's so many pe- people. I mean, it's, that, that's not even true because there are so many people in like other countries who are missionaries. Right. Okay. And then, fine. And then okay. they're that's like, "Oh, I just concede your point. Just get baptized right now, and then you'll be saved, and then you're all good." And, and you'll. Well, be- that's not. I would say it's. You say Jesus said, uh, "Go forth into all the world and proclaim the gospel yeah, and baptize, to all nations, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. teaching them mm-hmm. to obey all I've commanded yeah. you." So, yeah, but but the so you baptize and you teach. It's yeah, but sure, but it's it's getting saved, right? And then you baptize. Well, yes, if you are preaching to people who have never been baptized before. Sure, and that's and that's more of what I'm referring but if, to. If right let's now. say we're going out and let's I'm not say, talking about babies right now because well, but, that, but that's a different disagreement. Okay, well let's well then our practically if you and I like went to somewhere and became missionaries and I'm a Lutheran, you as a Reformed Baptist and like practically like. It would look pretty similar for the first generation um, until those Christians get married and have children. And they say, okay, what do we do with our children? Mm-hmm. And I would say, well. Oh, we're not. That's a, that's a different conversation. We're not talking about babies right now. We're just talking about like baptism, like for first generation. Okay. That's what I'm asking you. So about. you would rebaptize the person if they weren't. Well, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, it's, we'll clarify it's, what you're saying. Sort of, I'm more asking you, like, um, how like is it? It's, it sounds like you would argue that there is still a, like if someone who isn't a believer mm-hmm. is still getting baptized that it's baptism that there's some work being done there. I don't think that's scriptural. I like where do you see that in scripture? Well, work is being done, like where's but they are rejecting it, and you will receive baptism is is. If you don't have the answer, that's no. I, I it's sort of hard to explain. It's just it's just something. Baptism is just. Like, like, is the word, like, let's say, like, um, again, like, I'm, I'm not using it as, like, this is what the scripture says, com- directly comparing baptism and the word, although I, I would say that it does, and I, I can't think of places off the top of my head where it does, but I know that there are. Um, however, if the word is preached to a group of people and no one believes it, did the word do anything? Yeah. What did it do? Uh, it went... And it was well. I I liken more to, uh, and 
uh, Isaiah. Well, I, I don't know if you guys. My word will not return to me. I, exactly. I, I actually just went through that. That God says that. Oh well, my word will go out, and it will not come back void. Right. Yeah. Yep. So it will not go back void. There is still a work that is hap- happening. Their hearts. But let's say reject or deny Christ through that. Right, and it's the same case when someone who is saying, "I don't believe any of this stuff, but I'm just being baptized because I don't know for some silly reason." Mm-hmm. It's just, it's similar. You know, where do you see that in scripture? I, I I just don't think that's present in scripture. Well, like Simon Magus, for instance, you know, in Acts, mm-hmm. he is baptized, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but he's like he just wants he wants their money, yeah. like he wants to make money, mm-hmm. um, and so. Um, but I'm not saying that therefore baptism is not something which saves people. Yeah, baptism, at least from. Like, I still haven't gotten a good piece of evidence as to why, uh, I mean, and it's totally fine, but as to why, like, if someone, like, if someone who isn't saved is baptized, why that does anything, why that's even baptism. I don't think that's baptism. What do you mean? Because it's, you're saying, but you're making baptism. dunked in water. You're making baptism dependent on our faith. And I'm saying baptism is. Well, I'm I'm saying God saves and then. Well, God saves through baptism. As a God saves through the preaching of His word. Yes, He does. He also saves through baptism. And then, as after someone hears the word yep. and responds through faith, and they yes. baptize. Yep. And that's that, right. And that's all part of the salvation thing. Sure, I'll, I'll I'll say that that's all part of being saved. Being baptized is part of salvation. Yeah, and I would say that it's not as though like. But if someone isn't saved, then how can they be baptized? Like they, 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 they can't, they, they should nothing. They're just being dunked in water. They're not actually being baptized because that's, yes, they that's are. part of God's salvation. No, I know that, but God's promises stand even though we don't, okay. even though people don't believe. So them. what scripture would you reference for? Like God be true to every man. No, no, I'm not saying that God's promises will stand. Obviously we would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but of the fact that God promises that if you are bad, if you're dunked in water and someone says, oh, I baptize you and those followers in the Holy Spirit. Why, like, how, how, how is that even baptism? Well, why wouldn't it be? Baptism is not dependent on us. You know what I mean? It's not that the validity of a baptism is not dependent on the faith of the recipient of that baptism. Mm-hmm. It's depending on the command and promise of God. God right. has commanded baptism. Mm-hmm. He has promised all these blessings of salvation that come through it. So it's not dependent on our faith. Mm-hmm. It's dependent on his promise. Yeah, but why would, yeah, but God hasn't promised that if you're dunked in water and you say, oh, I baptize you, like if, if a priest does that, yeah. they're going to be baptized. But that's like baptism. Well, they have been baptized, the, but they have not, they have refused to receive the gift of baptism. In the same way, if someone were to come to Holy Communion and saying, I don't believe any of this crap, Jesus is terrible, blah, blah, blah. And it's not communion. Yes, it is. It's, they are still receiving the body and blood of Christ uh, okay. to their actually, harm. Actually, to their harm. I'm going to rescind my... Okay, so you're rescind. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to rescind. Yeah, okay. How would you rephrase it then? That. Um, that they're drinking judgment upon the, themselves, as Paul says. And it's not clear with baptism, but perhaps, like if someone is mocking baptism in that way, like that is dangerous. Like don't, like someone should... I agree. Someone shouldn't do that. Okay. So that's what I'm saying, but it's still baptism. Mm-hmm. It is still like... I, I don't know. I don't... I have not, like, I still have not been convinced. Okay, that's fine. I mean, like, like, like through scripture, I just don't think you've given me enough evidence to, to think that, like, if someone is dunked in water, right, that, and that someone says, oh, I baptize you, and that, because it's part of salvation, and because, I mean, I would agree with you, it it is by grace, Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I just can't see baptism being done without the person being dunked actually being saved. Like, I don't, I don't know where you would 
Right. Well, we see that it's like this is the gift that is received. You know, this like is faith the, is received. This is where all salva- all the blessings of salvation are received is through baptism. It's not as though that it's not as though like someone was not saved like before they were baptized. Like that in in the, in the sense that if they died, that they would not go to be with Christ. Um, what we mean is is that baptism is the vehicle, the ordinary vehicle whereby God bestows all His salvation, all His blessings. And God continually gives it. It's not as a like, oh, like I can only receive all the blessings of salvation one time. Mm-hmm. Like it's just God just continually gives us salvation constantly. So does that mean that uh, someone will like feel different after being baptized? Uh, like they're, that their walk will be different after they are baptized? Like if they, like in, in terms of this, like if they were an unbeliever before? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, well, because so, like, do you mean that there are any manifestations of the fact that they have received their thing and their their salvation in full? Um, well, yeah, I mean that they're following Christ, that they're living a new life, that they have new affections. So that, that will be desiring more the to case after they're baptized. Then before, then before. Well, if they're an unbeliever, what do you what do you mean? Like they were saved, they heard the word, uh-huh. they were saved, and then so the before and after they were baptized. I don't see why not. Okay. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, but again, it's, the, it's sort of a nuance in the book of Acts because at the beginning it says that, you know, um, baptism is, you know, gives the Holy Spirit forgiveness of sins and so forth. And Acts 22, you know, rise and be baptized, wash away your sins and all and that. But also there are cases where someone, where people receive the Holy Spirit, they see it through the, hear it, receive it through the preaching of the word. And at that time it was manifested through, you know, pre- yeah. speaking in tongues, which that's a whole other that's can a whole of worms. Um, but, uh, but then they say, well, how can we prevent withhold water from being baptized? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sometimes people believe before they're baptized and sometimes uh, sometimes people have already believed and then they receive baptism because of it. And sometimes baptism is the means through which they receive the Holy Spirit. What's an example of that? Uh, where it says, repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2. How do you know that's what it meant? Because that's what it says. Well, I mean, in context, like... Well, okay. I mean, you can read... Well, all throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is at work through water. Um, it's a, it's a th- consistent theme. God saved salvation through water. You know, in the beginning, you know, the Spirit was over the surface of the waters, and then you have the exodus through the waters and the flood through the waters, and, you know, in, in um, you know, Naaman being cleansed through the waters, and then you have the the, the priests um, with the water uh, washing before going into the service of the temple, and the tabernacle of the temple. You have Ezekiel, you know, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and then you have uh, baptism of John the Baptist, and then you have uh, Jesus' baptism, and then you have... Uh, Jesus establishing baptism for for Christians and so forth. So, it's a it's a constant theme throughout Scripture. I would say that the theme throughout Scripture of the waters is the judgment waters, the, judge, the judgment of God. I know, but those judgment waters are also waters of salvation. True, um, salvation through judgment is the yes. theme that we would draw to. Exactly. So, like in uh, the flood and then yeah. uh, the Exodus, mm-hmm. um, and both of those analogies are used. Both of those are used of to talk about baptism mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Yeah, so it says that they were baptized into Moses. So from what I've seen in Acts, the usual pattern that right. I've seen is preaching of the word, mm-hmm. response to the word. So yep. God saves them, um, mm-hmm. then they get baptized. 
well, yes, that would be the normal response for people who have not been baptized already. And then, have you seen anyone who has been baptized before that? What do you mean? Well, like what you just said. So that you said that's the usual pattern. Yeah. So what would be? The like that's a pattern of going into a context where the gospel has never been before. Okay. Well, do you see anything in the scriptures of like any other context than than, than that? Well, yeah, household baptisms. Like sometimes those people, those household didn't didn't. It wasn't stipulated that that household believed. Sometimes it is stipulated, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's not. And so why is there an indication that? Uh, like, why is there the, in the indication that some of the household didn't believe? It's not as though that says they did not believe. It's I'm talking. I'm specifically saying like they are just they are just given this gift, and it's not up to them. It's just something they receive. You know what I mean? We're saved by grace, by God alone. So it's not up to us. Can you can you, can you give me an example in scripture? Yes, of, uh, of the, someone who did not believe was baptized and then they believed. Well, I'm not trying to so much prove that. I'm just dealing with that. Like, I'm talking with households, I'm more looking at infants, but I'm saying, like, someone who someone who doesn't believe while they're being baptized and then they believe later should not be rebaptized because they were baptized. Because baptism is not dependent on our faith, it's dependent on God mm -hmm. and His commandment. Mm -hmm. Though, if you are making the connection between mm -hmm. salvation and baptism. Yes then how can someone be baptized and not believe? Well, baptism is... Because they're like both how a can gift some, of God. People can reject... Again, it goes back to irresistible grace. Like People can reject the gift of salvation. And then so, then so then people can... So what if they reject the gift of salvation and they don't baptism like as like a dunking of, of, of the water? Like, it, like the, they, they can't be separated. What do you mean? Explain that a bit more. Well, like you can't have faith and not baptism, and you can't have baptism and not faith. Like, are are you sort of saying that they're like? It sounds like you're trying to make them come together. Yes, I am. Like bap, like you, like Christ's offer of salvation for all people stands, even though, like in a particular context, someone is like, yeah, okay, I I believe, blah blah blah, but they don't really believe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then how is that baptism? If it goes, if it goes with faith, like, do you see? Have you seen anyone in the old, in the Old Testament, or, or sorry, not in the Old Testament, in, in, in the Book of Acts, who is like, no one has been baptized um, without having faith. Like the the thing is, you hear the word, then you have faith, and then you're baptized. And those households were baptized. Those households were baptized as well. Yeah, but there's no indication that not everyone was saved or had heard the word and responded through faith in those households. So that isn't much evidence. But it doesn't, again, like I said, baptism stands even though someone doesn't, uh, our faith is not, does not make baptism valid. Just like, okay, if the person who baptized you turned out to be apostate, you wouldn't need to be rebaptized. I agree. I agree with that. Because it's not dependent on. Because it's not dependent on who baptized you. It's dependent on. On God. Exactly. So therefore, it's not dependent on our. But faith. it is dependent if you have faith or not, right? Why would that's where I would disagree. Well, why would you disagree? Because baptism is based on God's promise and grace and okay, salvation. But where does it say in God's word that you can be baptized and not and not have faith? I'm not that's not the norm. Okay. The norm is for people to be baptized and to and to have faith. But why would you have any in, like where in scripture would you see any indication that that would be the case? Like you mean someone is baptized but the idea of like I don't want to, like I, a like like a baby being baptized. 
why would you have an indication that that is? Or someone who's baptized and isn't a believer, like why would you have an indication that they are saved? I'm not that, saying they're or that, saved. Or, if they, or that God works through that. Um, like I'm saying someone who is actively saying, I don't believe in this baptism business. And I don't believe. Yeah, well, what if someone like isn't like that? Like where would you have any indication? Like I would, what do you mean? Well, what? I don't know. I just don't really like the whole hypothetical of this scenario because mm-hmm. I would, if someone said, you know, I was baptized, but I, I don't believe, I would just say like, well, first of all, repent and turn back to your baptism because that is where God is giving you his salvation, which is he is giving you what Christ accomplished on the cross for you and he's uniting you to that. So return to your baptismal covenant. Okay, I think I'm trying to, uh, un- to un- understand you. So you're saying that someone believes and has faith and then through that faith and they they hang on through baptism. Yeah, the, the baptism is the thing which, the, like when I was, like in my own experience, like like when I was in high school and having this like, experience really like personal experience of God's grace and the Holy Spirit like essentially like God is just turning me back to my baptism you know what I mean because that is where God saved me saved Will Welch on June 8th 2003 and when I like you know but he when I wandered in a sense or began to wander or was not strong in my faith like he um, gave me an outpouring of his spirit through his word and through the means of grace because to Christian people. Because you believed when, 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 in 2003. Well, when I, you were like two years old. Uh, yeah. I don't have a problem with infant faith. Like there's no... True, true. Like infants John, can believe. John, John, John and, the and in the Psalms it talks about, you know, I trusted you at my mother's breast and from the womb you have been my God. And um, I think that, you know, they brought infants to him, to Jesus. That he, and these were infants. They weren't just little, they weren't just children. They were infants. They were brought to him. They might bless them, he says, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God belongs to these infants, why would we withhold the very thing that brings people into the kingdom of God from them? Yeah. And I, so I think Jesus blessing the infants is a strong indication of infant baptism. Yeah, we can... Disagree about that later. Oh sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it's getting a little late, so. No, no. This has been a real blessing. It, it was a fun conversation. I appreciate. Um, it. How do you want to? Any way you want to close it out in particular? Or? Yeah. So I'm gonna play a very a few very funny, uh, outro songs or outro tracks, mm-hmm. and then we'll pray out. Sounds good. And then I'll play like one or two more, and then I'll make a snarky comment. Okay, great. Go ahead. And then I'll say. Thank you to our listeners. And then I'll thank the listeners and then I'll uh and then I'll do something like uh I don't know, and, I'll, I'll, and then I'll say some something good. Sounds right. good. Sounds good. All right. So Oh, I like that one. I think I like this one a lot. Go, Wilfred! Thank you. All right. Uh, Do do you want to pray out? Would you like me to pray? Yeah. Dear Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the blessing of uh, fellow believers um, that have been brought to faith through your word and through your Holy Spirit, and that you have indwelt us with your Holy Spirit and united us to yourself through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that we would always be faithful and trust you and keep us in the faith always and as we live our lives here at WashU and in this world that we would be a witness to your love and to your salvation 
uh, and that we would continue to love one another, pray for one another, and care for one another, and love our neighbor as you have loved us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I just want to make the quick, uh, this is my like final comment. Uh, I just want to want to say that uh, I have great respect for uh, for you, Will, and for Thank you. Uh, anyone else Likewise. who both seems to be like who who have who show evidence that they legitimately are searching the scriptures, mm. and who it's obvious that even though like we may not agree on everything, like God has opened um, either your or their eyes to understand Christ and what He has done, and like. I have great respect for you guys, and even though we don't agree on everything, I think it's fun to have these conversations because also, too, they allow us to meditate more deeply and more richly on Christ's word. Yes. So, uh, Amen. Amen. All right. Goodbye, listeners, and thank you for listening to this part two. Bye.